Steve Duval, thank you very much for joining us here on AU Manufacturing Conversations. Uh, thank you, Brent. I'm pleased to be here. First of all, I'm going to ask you politely to introduce yourself and some of the work you've been involved in over your career. Sure. I've been in the semiconductor industry for almost 40 years now. And the largest chunk of that was with Intel Corporation in California. And I was with the what was called the Technology and Manufacturing Group at the time. I, I assume it still is. And that's the group that develops the manufacturing processes, implements them, and operates them. It's all the, the high-tech um, manufacturing processes used by Intel to make its products. My role was, I suppose at the end, it was mostly focused on manufacturability issues and design for manufacturing, trying to understand the sources variation in the process and providing tools to designers to allow them to design their circuits and their, their products so that they will robust those manufacturing variations and issues. So then it came to Australia in the early 2000s with Intel Capital. And my primary role with Intel Capital was to support Intel Capital's, it's like a venture capital. It's the internal investment arm of Intel. And my role was mostly to support investments in Australia and New Zealand and to help with the technology evaluation of, of companies around the world. And that took me all around the world. I saw large numbers of, of companies and different, I mean, all related to, to semiconductors and semiconductor technology, but in different countries and different markets and different products and such. And that led me to identify a few trends that were, of, I thought, of strategic importance to Intel. And I was working on those as well. So as printable electronics and reconfigurable electronics and new memory technologies, things like that. After that, I joined an Australian semiconductor company called Solana. I was the chief technology officer with Solana. And I, among other things, I established and led the, the UV business. Solana has a family of ultraviolet light emitting diode products, which are on the market now. And I was responsible for establishing and leading that, that business. I left Solana this past July. It happened to be 14 years to the day after I joined. I, I think I probably let that sort of round number drive the decision more than I probably <laughs> should have. But in any case, it was time for me to move on. Sure. And um, pretty much completed what I, I wanted to at Solana. And I wanted to make some room for up-and-coming leaders of the business. So um, I moved on. And since then, I've been working on a few projects. The one I've become most passionate about is, is growing the semiconductor industry here in Australia. And I'm associated with the S3B in New South Wales, the Semiconductor Sector Service Bureau, which is has that as its goal to help grow the industry in, in Australia. And then I'm involved in other related activities as well, which again are centered around trying to grow the industry. So let's start from a very, very, very basic place. What are semiconductors for anyone in the audience who might not be completely aware? Semiconductor is one of several terms used in the industry in a very inconsistent fashion. The basic definition of a semiconductor is it's a material. It's a class of materials that are somewhere between a conductor, which is like copper, something that conducts electricity quite easily, and insulators, which are like glass, things that don't conduct electricity. So semiconductors are somewhere in between those two. But the most important characteristic of, sem of semiconductors is that you can change their properties. You can change their electrical conductivity 
in a few different ways. And one is just during the manufacturing process, you can, you can change it so that it's more conductive or less conductive. During operation, you can apply electrical voltages across semiconductors and you can cause them to become more conductive or less conductive as a consequence of that. So that's actually the, the fundamental property that enables most modern electronics is that ability to change the state of a semiconductor material from being conductive to non-conductive and vice versa. It's a really important fundamental capability. So that's one way to look at semiconductors, and that's, I think, the, probably the, the most formal definition of it. I find myself using it in a different way, and I, I hear a lot of people in the industry using it in this other way as well, to refer to products, to semiconductor products. These are typically electronic components that incorporate semiconductor materials in some way or another. So these things that should be fairly familiar to most people. In your mobile phone, there's probably three to 400 different semiconductor components, and these would be the components that are responsible for communications, for sending and receiving your communications, for doing processing inside the phone, for storing information, things like that. So those are, again, we will sometimes refer to those as semiconductors, I think it's probably more precisely called semiconductor components or semiconductor products or chips or, you know, there's any number of names that are used to refer to those kind of products. And then sometimes we talk about semiconductors in terms of the industry itself or companies that are involved with in semiconductors. So it's very ambiguous, but I think, or it's used inconsistently, but I, I think it's, it should be fairly clear that it's, it's fundamentally material and then perhaps products that incorporate the material. Right. With that out of the way, why are they important? Why are we talking about them? Why do we care? Tell me about that. Well, the the fact of the matter is that semiconductors are really everywhere. I think they just increasingly they mediate our interaction with the world. Um, I mean, mobile phones that I mentioned before incorporate hundreds of of these components that wouldn't work without them. Our refrigerators, dishwashers. Washing machines all incorporate semiconductors. Automobiles, airplanes, trains, all that wouldn't work without semiconductors. So they're just pervading our lives. And they're, I've heard some people refer to them as the oil of the 21st century, meaning that it's a strategic commodity or product that underpins virtually all aspects of modern life. Without semiconductors, we just wouldn't be able to operate our societies the way they currently operate today. Indeed. I saw an interview with Chris Miller, whose book is quite popular at the moment, and he, he was saying that recently data has been referred to as the oil of this era, and he said, you know, that's worth correcting because data is nothing without semiconductors to process that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have to say that the, you know, the comparison to oil is a little bit misleading. I mean, oil is effectively the same thing. I mean, whether you discover it and pump it from the North Sea or from Saudi Arabia or wherever it might be, it's pretty much the same thing. I know they're different variants, but in contrast, semiconductors are, are very diverse. When we talk about semiconductor products, I, I tried to sit down a few months ago and, and estimate how many semiconductor products would be on the market at any one time, and it, it was really hard for me to get the data I needed to do the calculation. But just some back-of-the-envelope calculations led me to think that there's probably tens of millions of semiconductor products on the market at any one time. And each of these is designed, developed, and brought into production over a period of months or years. And 
They're typically manufactured on different manufacturing lines around the world. So there's this enormous amount of complexity and variety in semiconductor products themselves that just isn't present in, in other, other sort of, of commodities. And that creates an enormous barrier to anyone who wants to enter the industry. At the same time, that it creates a lot of opportunities because there's so many special purpose semiconductors and applications. So uh, that's why they're important. Why are they important to Australia? Well, I think there are really two dimensions of that for Australia. One I'll call the strategic dimension. The other I'll call the economic dimension. On the strategic side, we could argue this in a very broad sense that because semiconductors are so important to our economies, to our ways of life, it's just really important for Australia to, to have some sort of meaningful role in the industry. That's, that's sort of a vague, broad statement, but then there are very specific ways that I think it's important for Australia to have a significant role in the industry. We import, the last time I saw it, I think Australia imports something in the order of like 3%, has 3% of the total semiconductor imports globally. And that's, I think, sort of on the order of a, sort of like a billion dollars a year of import value. And those components are used in products that are manufactured in Australia. And if we're not able to access those, those components. It means those products that are manufactured in Australia cannot be manufactured. In particular, this is important in defense where we have you know, special built systems that incorporate semiconductor devices that are specialized for Australian systems, potentially. And if we can't access those, then we can't build those systems. So there's a very strong dependency on overseas producers of semiconductor components, which would be, as I said before, it's virtually impossible for Australia to produce everything it uses, every semiconductor product it uses. I think it's virtually impossible for any country to do that, even the US. But there are probably a few select semiconductor components that are very critical, say to defense or to other industries within Australia. And those are the ones that I think we really should be focusing on bringing onshore, bringing onshore the ability to, to produce those, those components. So that's a strategic element of it. It's just really, strategically, we don't want to rely on overseas sources for critical components that we need to drive our defense interests and our economic interests domestically. The economic side of things really, from my standpoint, focuses on what I'll call the evergreen nature of the semiconductor industry. It's, it's been growing now for 50 or 60 years. There's always new opportunities. And it's a very intellectually rich and challenging industry. It requires highly skilled engineers and scientists. So it can really drive high-skilled jobs. It can really drive the economy. It, and by having a domestic semiconductor manufacturing industry, it can drive the development of industry that's based upon those components. So it's not just the components themselves that would be manufactured domestically, it also be systems that incorporated those components. So it's really those two dimensions that I think really drive the importance of semiconductors for Australia. The strategic and the economic. And so what should Australia do about this? Your current role is very much to do with answering that question. Tell me um, what the answer is. Well, my view is 
and this is, I think, somewhat controversial, but my view is that it is really important for Australia to have a domestic semiconductor manufacturing capability. Now, when I say that, I don't mean having a $20 billion fab along the lines of what Samsung, TSMC, or Intel would be building and using to manufacture their products. We have an opportunity with certain types of semiconductor technologies to start much smaller and really focus on components that are of strategic importance to Australia. What I'm referring to there, just to provide a little bit more background, we can divide semiconductor materials into two classes. One is what we'll call elemental semiconductors. These are pure semiconductor materials like silicon. Um, germanium is the other commonly used one. Mm -hmm. The other one is what we call compound semiconductors. These are ones that incorporate multiple elements and indium phosphide, gallium arsenide, things like that. So it's a compound of two or more elements. And the bulk of the industry uses silicon, and it has for many years. It's been the main driver behind the industry. I think something like 90, 95% of all of the semiconductor products that are manufactured globally every year are manufactured using silicon. And so the, the, the rule of thumb in the industry is if you can build it in silicon, build it in silicon because you can take advantage of the, the cost advantages of the huge supply chain cost advantages of using silicon. However, there's some technologies or some applications for which silicon really doesn't have the right physical properties to work effectively. And that's where compound semiconductors become really important. The, the three, I guess there are really four areas in which I, I see them being important. One is in communications. Compound semiconductors can enable wireless communication devices to be made much smaller, much more power efficient. So it, you know, fundamentally they've enabled mobile phones to be as small and compact and powerful as they are. The second is in, in power switching. So in solar inverters, in the inverters that are used in electric cars and trains and such, a compound semiconductor material, a device, a semiconductor device made from compound semiconductors can block high voltages much more effectively than silicon can. And again, that allows you to go make the system much smaller, much lighter, much more power efficient. And then the third major area of compound semiconductor applications is in um, photonics. Gallium arsenide, laser diodes were, were the basis of the photonics industry, as an example. And then the fourth, and this one I've just been reading about recently, is, is there's kind of a convergence between mainstream of what you traditionally call silicon and compound semiconductors. And that companies like Intel and TSMC and Samsung are starting to use compound semiconductors in their products. But anyway, I'm not suggesting we go there in, in Australia. What I'm suggesting we do is focus on compound semiconductors. And we can focus on primarily applications in RF or wireless communications initially because there's established need in Australia for those kind of components, and there's established expertise in the country for manufacturing and designing products and based on compound semiconductor materials. So, so my thought is manufacturing compound semiconductors with a primary focus on RF and wireless, and we can start with the size of the, the manufacturing facility based on really how much we're prepared to invest up front. You can start with this number sounds large to me, but to, to as far as the industry is concerned, $50 million is enough to get established in a basic 
compound semiconductor manufacturing facility. Now, it's not going to satisfy all of Australia's needs, but it could certainly get us started. Or you can go up to $200 million and have a larger facility that could actually be used for initial production. So we can, we can size the initial facility to, to meet our anticipated needs and demands. Right. Certainly sounds a little less eye-watering than the $20 billion figure you mentioned earlier for a cutting-edge fab. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add to, to these suggestions above? I think that's pretty much different. Um, I mean, that's, you know, from my standpoint, it's a pretty simple idea of how to proceed. And, and I, as I said, I think we do have the basic expertise. And I've spoken with other people in the country who I think are pretty well aligned with that as, as the right approach. So hopefully we'll, we'll be able to make something happen in the next few years. Yeah, we'll see what, what happens and who knows. Anyway, Steve Duval, thank you very much for joining us here on AU Manufacturing Conversations. It was great to get your, your insights. It's my pleasure, Brent. Thank you very much. 